Welcome and thank you for taking the time to listen to the Word of God released through Randolph Barnwell. Randolph is the founder and senior elder of Gate Ministries Durban Central. Be encouraged to access free additional resources for your edification at randolphbonnell.com. Great grace, peace and mercy from Christ be multiplied to you as you listen to this teaching. I want to continue the series on grace reigning through righteousness now. There's so much on my heart. I want to start with Psalm 84 verse 11 and then draw out a few um, principles from there. And then perhaps if time permits, I want to go into Lot as a case study of righteousness that he departed away from. I've been teaching you recently that the grace of God needs to find a fit place. The grace of God needs to find a, an ideal context in which to function. So it does not function outside of the context that it's not willing to generate. Grace generates righteousness and requires it to thrive in. Um, our key text, remember when we, we started this particular sub-theme or focus, was Romans chapter 5 and verse 21, where it says, Sin reigned in death, but grace reigns in, in righteousness. Also, Romans 5.17 says that you need two things to reign in life. You need an abundance of grace and you need the gift of righteousness to reign in life. To reign in life, I'm reiterating because we have to understand this. To reign in life, you need two things. Everyone say abundance of grace. That's Romans 5.17, right? And say the gift of righteousness. Right? And then verse 21 says that grace would reign in righteousness. So if we need grace and righteousness to be successful in life, grace itself requires righteousness as a principle in which it must thrive. But God doesn't leave it up to you, so He generates the righteousness in the first place by a gift. When you got saved, He gave you the, the gift of righteousness that puts you in right standing with God. Now, being made righteous then, you are expected to become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Okay, The word there is, uh, this is 1 Corinthians 5.21. It says, He who knew no sin became sin, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. The word become there is a progressive word in the Greek, which means to come into progressively into a state. You are righteous. Tell someone you are righteous by the gift of righteousness. So you have the gift of righteousness, but you're required to grow in it. And how do you grow in it? 2 Timothy 3.16 says that the word of God is inspired by God. All scripture is given by inspiration by God and it's profitable for four things the last one being it is profitable for instruction in righteousness so every son of God who is righteous by the gift of righteousness still needs instruction in righteousness in terms of how to live maturing your righteousness so you can come into a position called mature righteousness or the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Now, the grace attends that. Grace produced righteousness, and when you live as a righteous practitioner, 1 John 3.17 says, Who is righteous? 
Answer, who is righteous? You know the verses now? Who is righteous? Come on church, you know the verse. It says, he who, not as the gift, he who practices righteousness. So you can't claim to have the gift of righteousness and not have the practice of righteousness in your life. You have to be a righteous practitioner. So I'm saying when you do righteously, the grace of God then comes to attend you. So verses like this make sense. The Lord God is what? The Lord God is a sun and shield. He gives grace and glory. No good thing does He withhold to them that walk uprightly. The word uprightly there in the Hebrew is righteous. So if you have a righteous walk, what does God give? He gives grace and He gives glory. No good thing does He withhold from those that walk uprightly. So God requires an upright walk if you're going to recruit more grace. You say, God, more grace, more grace, more glory. And I have a long teaching on my website where I discuss the connection between grace and glory. Glory is the reputation of God. Glory is the outward visible manifestation of all that God is. It's outward. Everyone say outward. So John says, we beheld His glory. Glory is something you can see. It's something observable. It's something outward. It's something visible. It's the exact representation of God is His glory. Hebrews 1.3, you know the verses. I won't go to the whole study now. Hebrews 1.3 says that the sun is the radiance. Just put it up, look quickly. Hebrews 1.3, the sun is the radiance or the brilliance of His Father's glory. He, Jesus, is the radiance of His of the Father's glory and is what? Exact. So whenever you think glory, two words should come to your mind. Say exact representation. So exact representation of His nature. So exact representation means you visibly outwardly demonstrate all that He is. God the Father is invisible. The Son makes Him visible by putting His nature. Say nature. Uh, His essential attributes, His characteristics in your life on display. And when people see that, they say, wow, see the glory of God. When we sing songs like this and the glory of the Lord, sorry, we just had a historical moment there in worship. Those songs we wrote, I don't know, 2004. I wrote, may you be honored, may you be glorified, and the glory of the Lord will cover the earth. I remember that song was given to me prophetically in a time of worship. We just sang the chorus spontaneously. And we went and we developed two verses and we recorded it on our first CD, if you remember. Right? Now, you can't sing a song like that and the glory of the Lord will cover the earth like waters cover the sea. You are thinking, most people are thinking of an earth, right? You're thinking of a cloud behind, around the earth, like glory, whoo, hallelujah, lights and the glory of the Lord. No, doesn't mean that. When we sing the glory of the Lord will cover the earth, we are saying Sons of God scattered throughout every country in the earth, putting on display the nature of the Lord, that is glory covering the earth. Glory covering the earth is glory covering the earth in and through a life that puts what on display? His nature. Okay, And then in that study on the, the, the relationship between grace and glory, I said to you, glory is substructure. Sorry, grace is substructure, but glory is outward visible sign. So within glory is grace. 
What did John say? We beheld his glory full of what? Full of grace and truth. So you can't have glory outward visible manifestation unless the compositions of glory, which is grace and truth, are present there. Amen? So glory is the, un- is the, it's the, the foundation. Sorry, grace is the foundation. The essential hypostasis. Anything hupa in the Greek means under, below, substructure to. What gives that, it, it's, it's the basis upon which that which is outward and externally visible is founded upon. God's grace is His compositional nature, the essence of His being as spirit. When that is present within your life, you can now manifest His nature as glory. So glory without grace is no glory at all. Because the glory of the Lord has got to have the grace of God as its bedrock framework within it. Okay? So we want to put His nature on display. Go back to Psalm 84 and verse 11. Okay? Psalm 84 and verse 11. Today's going to be a bit prophetic in nature. Because, I mean, betwixt a whole myriad of thoughts to teach this morning. But I'm just trying to find frequency as I continue to speak. And I just sense that God wants to speak prophetically to us. I really want to get to Lot. If not this week, then definitely by next week. Because Lot merits our attention. Because the Bible calls him righteous Lot. Peter described him as a righteous man. But practically, he messes up. And I will demonstrate to you later a positional state can be forfeited by the wrong practical behavior. You can, you can negate certain things if you embark upon the wrong external practice. You can lose certain things if, if you disconnect between who you are in Christ and how you behave. Don't think that the thing is innocent that you engaged in that will not compromise your position in Christ. The practical outworking behavior can compromise your status or your positional state in Christ. Amen? So, uh, hopefully we'll get there, or some of it by today. But if not, I will encourage you to study a lot in this week. Amen? Eh? Focus on it, because I really believe it contains some serious lessons for us as the church. Okay? This verse is very interesting to me, because it says, The Lord God is a sun and shield, and He gives two things. He gives what? You see, he doesn't give glory first. He gives grace, the substructure, then glory, the manifestation. Right? He gives grace and glory. This part I'm more interested in. No good thing does he withhold from them that walk uprightly. So does grace attend righteousness? Yes. So when righteous behavior practice is present, what comes to land on it? Grace. Pick up your hands. Who wants more grace? I challenge you to commit to purity. I challenge you to commit to right living. Challenge you to commit to uprightness, to integrity, to doing what is right. Because when you do what is right, guess what you're going to attract like a magnet to your life. Guess what? The grace of God. And remember when we define grace as the compositional makeup of God as spirit. But when that essence comes to you, it has effects. Remember essence and effects? Grace in essence is composition of God's essential nature as a spirit being. But when it comes into me, what does it do for me? Paul says two things. I am what I am by the grace of God, and I work yet not I, but 
grace. Grace does two things, makes me who I am, empowers me to do what I am called to do. So, I mean, when I read a statement like this, he gives grace. Then I'm thinking, wow, it's going to make me who I am and it's going to fuel my functionality, right? It's, 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 it configures identity, it empowers destiny, okay? Always, whenever I mention grace, you have been schooled in grace. Think those two things. It's making me and it's empowering my function. It's, it's establishing my identity and it's empowering my destiny. Issues of identity, who I am. Issues of destiny, what I'm called to do. Now, that is why everyone say cleanness. Tell your neighbor, live a clean life. Pure life. What motivates me for purity amongst a myriad of other factors is my quest for grace. I say, God, I will live a pure life. I will live a pure life. Because, what do I want? I want more. I want more grace. And let me challenge you, church. Next time you're tempted to sin and violate principle, know this, you're negating the reception of more grace. You're doing yourself a disservice. But grace is so thoroughly attracted to righteousness. Remember what we said in, in, in Genesis 6, verse 8 and 9? I need to remind you, the Lord said to me this, we concluded the first session yesterday. I was a bit vulnerable because, you know, you, everyone wants to follow some guide, notes, etc. And I'm teaching, we don't know where it's going to end or how it's going to pan out. And it's not even my local church where I can make a mistake, you understand me. <laughs> this is like a total new bunch of people. I'm saying, God, you better help me here. And the Lord powerfully unveiled I was speaking, and I asked for the time. I was looking at the wrong monitor. There are two monitors there. The one was blank, and the other one had the time on. So I thought it was an eternal session <laughs> because there was no time, you know. And then now Gordon said, no, the other one at the back. So I looked at the other one at the back, and I saw there was about eight minutes left. And I hadn't realized that I was speaking for one hour and seven minutes already because the, the session was one hour, 15 minutes. I'm thinking, wow, where did all that information come and where did all the time? Andy was there. Andy can corroborate this. I'm thinking, where did all that? And the Lord, when we concluded, I wrapped off and we had a 30-minute break. And the Lord said to me, I will never forget this. The Lord said to me, keep your heart pure, I will show you. Keep your heart pure, I will show you. And that verse, just leave this for a while. Proverbs 22, verse 11, that verse hit me like a ton of bricks. Again, you must remember all of you this verse. Memorize it if you can. He who loves purity of heart, his speech will be gracious and the king will be his friend. Right? So grace comes to purity. Keep your heart pure. Grace attaches itself to purity. It's manifested in how you speak and you will give when you speak Grace to your hearers, and then the Lord. I'm waiting for this manifestation now. This is my last thing I'm waiting for. God, I need the king as my friend. <laughs> I need some influential people as my connections. But let me just say this to you, church. I want to provoke your faith again. When you keep yourself pure, God's going to bring influential people 
into your immediate circle of close friends. But it's only going to come to the pure in heart. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Right? Sight, prophetic sight, comes to the state of purity. Okay? And um, uh, I, I was, I was going to remind you of Noah. Noah, the Bible says, found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And the next verse says, Noah was a righteous man. Grace attends righteousness. So if you go back to Psalm 84 verse 11. No good thing. Everyone say no good thing. No good thing will the Lord withhold to them that walk uprightly. The word uprightly in the Hebrew is the word tamin, which means blameless or complete. One of the requirements of an elder is that he must be blameless, having a good reputation, not just within the church, but especially to those that are outside. Okay, Blamelessness is our, is our priority. What the Bible says, Jesus is coming back for a church without spot or, or, or blemish or wrinkle. Okay, Without spot or blemish. When a whole garment is clean, the dirty spot detracts from the beauty of its, of, its, of its purity. Not so. Its whiteness, its cleanliness can be marred by the singular spot. It detracts away from the complete whole when it's a spot. So Jesus is not coming back for a church with even a spot. He wants a church that is blameless, that is complete, and that is entire. Okay? It is linked, this word, uprightly to the word integrity, which, as I've promised you, we will do a special segment on later in the series. Integrity must be um, held onto with all of our hearts. This word uprightly also means truth. He who walks truthfully or he who walks virtuously. He who walks blamelessly, he who walks in integrity, he who walks truthfully, and he who walks virtuously. Your purity is your authority. Once you compromise your purity, you compromise your authority. Last week, I demonstrated to you this principle that whomever you submit to, you empower the thing to control you. Paul in Romans 6 says, if you heal your members as instruments of unrighteousness, they have power over you. But if you heal your members, and your members are spirit, soul, and flesh, if you heal your members as instruments of righteousness, uh, that has power and control over you. And the Greek for instruments there is weapons of war. So I want to encourage you, your purity is your authority. Tell someone that your purity is your authority. Jesus said, the prince of this world has come, but he has found nothing in me. In other words, nothing that compromises my capacity to exercise spiritual authority. Nothing compromises my capacity to exercise my spiritual authority over realms, over anything that compromises the will um, of the Lord. Okay? So, grace and glory are given to the uprights. Grace and glory are given to the, to the righteous. The word good here is interesting. No good thing. Who likes good things? Right? I like, my both hands are up, right? I like good things. And he who finds a wife? 
That's the one good thing you can find. Right? Some of you are waiting to be found as the good thing. Okay. Either way, it's a good thing. Amen. And obtains what? If you quote that verse fully, he who finds a wife finds what? A good thing and obtains? Favor. Right? Grace is vested sometimes in a person called a wife. Okay? So all your wives should remind your husbands from time to time, I'm the face of grace to you. You want grace? Yes. it. <laughs> you find a good thing, you find. Uh, you who finds a wife finds a, a good thing. Next time, here's a, a key, guys. Next time your wives are messaging your husband at work, say, how's it, babe? It's a good thing, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you want favor? View me as the good thing. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. Now, the word is tob. Everyone say tob. In the Hebrew, good is the word tob. It's used a lot of the times whenever God created the world and He said, and God saw that He was made what He made, and it was good. So it's got a lot to do with the creation account, okay? Um, the word good here, literal meaning is this. Now please listen to me. I'm going to speak this prophetically over to you. And when you hear the tape again, play it over and over until these truths sink into your being. You are saying, God, I'm going to live virtuously, blamelessly, uprightly. A man and a woman of integrity, I'll maintain my righteousness. It's going to attract grace and glory to me and no tob. Say no tob. No Hebrew word is tob. No tob, no good thing is God going to keep back from me. Now I want, to I want you to encourage you to exercise your faith. On the ba you know what David said? David said, according to my integrity, reward me. He said in another place, according to my righteousness, answer me. And the prayer of the righteous man avails much. All I'm trying to provoke you is this. Watch. When you maintain purity, when you maintain righteousness, you have the basis upon which to appeal to God for certain things. I'm saying use this scripture to God. Say, God, I've maintained this. I've maintained my uprightness on the basis of the authority of your word now. I have the right to pray the scripture. You're not demanding. You're asserting your right as a firstborn. Prayer is not a demand when the, when the prayer is made out of a conviction concerning a truth established in God's word. Yeah? So you come to say, come on, your, your new favorite word this whole week is Tob. Say my new word is Tob. Yeah. Right? Right? Not Toby, Tob. Right? Tob, a good thing. Say a good thing. Right? No good thing does he keep back from those that walk uprightly. And let me just say this to you. As we go through this, what does the word Tob mean? Listen carefully. I was counseling someone recently and I said to them, if you remain humble and contrite, God, even if He wanted to, cannot reject you. Because the Bible says, a, a, a humble and a contrite spirit, oh God, you will not despise. Right? Now, does, how many believe that scripture? God cannot despise a humble and a 
contrite spirit. So let's say no matter how bad you've messed up and you come before God in repentance and there's humility, contrition, remorse, regret, all the factors that make up true repentance. I'm saying this to you, even if he wanted to, there's nothing in God that will cause him to act in rejection of contrition. Where there's contrition, something is activated in the heart of God and he's saying, even in my judgment of the individual, because they violated and messed up so badly, but if there's contrition, there's something in me that is activated based upon their disposition. I cannot, even if I wanted to, reject them. And I'm saying this to you, there's something about purity and God that activates Him to give you good things. That even if He wanted to withhold, He says, this scripture says, no good thing can He withhold. When you read this, no good thing can he withhold. You must read it in the sense that even if you wanted to, there are certain things now that are automatic, axiomatic, will simply come to me by causative principle. I've established the requirement. Now respond with good things. I want to declare over you, church. You know, there's the song we sang, The Rain. Powerful. On the prayer meeting on Sunday, I said to you, Please listen to Ralph Elias' message and Joey Governor's message at Open Heaven. Those two were very, very, very prophetic. I was so activated at Open Heaven when I heard those two things. For my life, I'm asserting my dry season is over. It's time for rain. Right? Tell someone it's time for rain. Dry. Listen, that word was declared over the city two weeks ago at Open Heaven. I took it. I'm saying I'm not going to be Elijah that's still living in three and a half years of drought era when the rain has started. And Joey drew parallels of Elijah's disposition in the drought and how God fed him to how vastly God dealt with him after the drought. Tell someone your drought is over. And I'm saying, I'm saying church, keep the standard, keep the contrition, keep the humility. I prophesy to this house that God's about to rain on you good things. Tell someone good things. Good things. Say good things. Good things. Not bad things. Good things. Tell someone again good things. Some of us have had such experience of bad things that even the word sounds foreign. Good things? What's that? You know? Even it's like, wow, it's so alien to my good thing. No, me, good things. No, not good things. Yeah. I want to encourage you. I'm expecting Good things. I'm expecting good things. I'm walking in faith. I'm going to maintain my purity. The key here is purity. The word tob means this. Let me just give you the strictest interpretation, then I will, I will apply it. It means well-pleasing. Everyone say well-pleasing. Say fruitful. Come on, say it like you believe. Say fruitful. Fruitful. Say morally correct. Say proper. Say convenient. That's the compendium of, of meanings for this word, good things. To reiterate, well-pleasing, fruitful, morally correct, proper, and con convenient. But what I did is I, I took it and I started, to, I started to track this word good throughout the scripture. And you'll get the following nuances if you do this. Listen carefully. The word means, 
The word means that which is appealing and pleasant to the senses. When God saw the creation, what did He say? And the Lord saw, and it was good. Everyone say appealing to the senses. When you see something good and it appeals externally to your senses, it wells up within you a, a good feeling. Right? A good feeling. Appealing to the senses. There's a feeling of... Let me just say it like this. A feeling of well-being is going to surge within you like you've never known before. Amen. When you feel good, say, someone, say, say, say this after me, a feel-good feeling. Feel it's like a feel-good feeling. Some of you need this. You've been feeling the negative states. Some of you must brace yourself for a good feeling. God's concerned even about your emotional state. And some of you have been racked in the vortex of the wrong, negative, emotional state for a long time. But I'm saying God's going to bring a good thing your way that's going to make you have a, a, a sense that is appealing and pleasant. It also means something useful and profitable. Everyone say useful and profitable. A good thing. It's useful and profitable. Okay. And I'm trusting God for things useful and profitable both for my life personally and for the church corporately, yeah? God's going to, I don't know how to explain this, or I have a sense of how it will manifest, but I don't want to give examples because you need to interpret this for you in your private world. What do you need right now that's going to be to you useful and profitable? I declare to you, by the word of the Lord, God's going to bring that to you. Whatever it is, that's going to be of benefit and profitable for you, God's going to bring for your, for your benefit. The, next, the third nuance is this. The word good means abundant and plentiful. Uh, who likes that meaning? Right? Abundant and plentiful. Um, Ralph Elias' word in this respect is usually encouraging. Because he said that God is truly the Lord of the harvest. And we often think in that scripture only as the harvest of souls. But he demonstrated in his teaching that God is the Lord of any harvest. Any, whenever you enter a harvest season, he's the Lord of the harvest. And if you're on the brink of harvest, there is a Lord that will guarantee the harvest. Your harvest will not be aborted or negated. And he said this to us, he, he felt in his teaching, you know, Ralph is a very good teacher of the word, but that day he was very, I think he was more in prophet mode, right? He was more the prophet and he, was, he, he said this, some of you have sown for years and years and years and you haven't reaped commensurately with what you've sown. And he actually said, I'm not sounding, I don't want to sound cliched, that I'm just saying to you what people normally say, await your harvest, it's going to come to you. No, he says, this is a word from the Lord that definitely you have sown in tears will come again, bringing in the sheaves with joy. Say joy. joy. Come on, say joy. joy. Who doesn't like to be happy? Anybody? Right? I want to be happy. Right? I want to smile a while and give my face a rest. <laughs> I want to enjoy life. I want to be godly with contentment and happiness. Amen? Some of you are too gloomy and moody. You need to be joy and happy. Come on, your face is going to change. Hallelujah. I want this church to be the place of feasting. The sound of joy and gladness must be heard in the house of the Lord. Not so? Yeah? Everyone say the sound of joy. 
I'm quoting a verse in Psalms that says, The sound of joy and rejoicing is in the dwelling of where? The righteous. That's a powerful verse. Just comes to me now. The sound of joy and rejoicing is where? It's in the dwelling of the, the righteous. Don't come to my home and expect a gloomy mood. Come to 33 Watsonia Road Bluff. As you enter there, you're going to be encouraged. I ensure in my home, ask my kids, Luke and Ray are here, that at home, there's always music playing, for example. There's always a buoyant spirit. No matter how you come in. This morning, uh, I'm, I'm hooked on Tommy Walker recently. And I'm YouTubing everything that he's done. And Ray and Renee got hooked on a particular song that he sings with his little daughter, Eileen. She's must about 12 years old. She sings just like him, jazz, etc. The song we wrote, What love the Father, oh God, thank you for loving me. Tommy Walker's song. Right? He turned my morning, Tommy Walker. He knows my name, Tommy Walker. Speak the word, speak the word, Tommy Walker. Speak to me, Tommy Walker. Right? He, he writes a range of songs. And right now, he's just completed a project where he's written one song from each chapter in the book of John, right through. It's on YouTube. Look at it. I'm looking at, he's done a revamp of all the hymns. Right now, hymn one and hymn two. Look at it. So we've been playing his, his songs on, uh, we got this on our TV, on YouTube, and it's been playing consistently. And this morning, I wake up to a song that Renee's hooked on one of his songs. Uh, Deeper Than Deep. It's a powerful song that he's written. Uh, about the nature of God. It's so vast, it's so deep, it's so wide, this, this God, the bigness of His heart, etc. And wow, it was so nice waking up and deeper than deep, yeah. And I'm, I'm rejoicing. I'm just, how is it powerful to wake up with a concept of God on your mind as your first thought? Deeper than deep. So I'm going, I'm packing the car, all the instruments getting ready for church, right? Drove my car around, packing. I'm saying deeper than deep, God, you're wider than wide, stronger than strong. Yeah? This is our God, you know. I want to encourage you, your mood and your state of being emotionally and spiritually is going to determine much of what God will do in your life. Because the Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so easy. God can do very little outside of your internal state. What is the position and, 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 and mood that you function in? Amen. So I want to encourage you. Everyone say good things. Come on, say good things. Come on, church. This is a word of encouragement this morning. Say it again. Good things. I'm expecting good things this week. Good things are going to happen to me. Even if I go through a trial, God's going to work it in for my good. Because that's what the Bible says. And God works all things in for the, say, good. Come on, even the New Testament says it. Say, good. It says, for the good of those that love Him. And those that are called according to His purpose. I'm not facing life with gloom and doom. I'm not a pessimist. So, I'm thinking if I'm to be fit and healthy and don't have unnecessary diseases associated with wrong dietary eating habits, if I'm going to be fit and strong for my grandson, I want to be fit and strong for him. I want to have the opportunity of training in a gym with him. 
for example. Right? That's why I train. That's why I exercise. Right? Everyone say righteousness. righteousness. So this mentality of in expecting good things will help you even also condition your context to administrate the good things that God's going to bring your, your way. Yeah. Amen? Say it again, good things. Good things are coming to the house. I really believe it. Good things. I've been writing feverish, feverishly the past few uh, weeks in preparation to release a manual, a study manual. And um, it's difficult sometimes with travel and with our program. And recently I, I've said to people, sorry, I can't make that appointment because I need to spend four hours writing. And I'm saying you have to prepare your structure locally to, to handle the good things that God has got in, in store for you. Amen. So just to reiterate, there's about seven or eight nuances. I'm going to go to them quickly because of time. Listen, what is a good thing? It is that which is appealing and pleasant to the senses. That which is useful and profitable. Thirdly, that which is abundant and plentiful. And I want to encourage you, say harvest. harvest. Yeah, there's an abundance coming, but you have to prepare your, your structures to manage it. The one of the things that, for example, we're going to do quick uh, after this is a focus on debt elimination. You've got to eradicate and, and, and seek to eliminate your financial debt, right? Because when God brings good things, you cannot be hampered by unnecessary debt. Be in a position where you can do certain things that will be of benefit to the kingdom of God, right? Then it also means kind. Everyone say kind and benevolent. In other words, expect benevolence to come your way. Expect kindness, grace uh, in areas that you don't necessarily deserve the outcome. But the kindness of the individual is going to, to usually bless you. Amen? And I'm practicing it to reap it. Practicing it to, to reap it. Just sow goodness. Be kind. Be benevolent. Left, right. Everyone say left, right, and center. You must be kind and benevolent. Left, right, and center. If you can help, help. Don't stand back when you have the opportunity to be kind and stand away from it. You're expecting good things, so sow good things. Just help people. It can be a small thing, but you never ever know how it will impact the, the guy or the person that you, are, that you are, are, are helping. This also means good in a moral sense. Everyone say good in a moral sense. Good in a moral sense as opposed to evil. It also means proper and becoming. It also means, uh, I love all these meanings, proper and becoming. It bears a general state of well-being or happiness. A general state of well-being or happiness. And this last nuance I really like. A good thing, literally in the Hebrew, means the better of two possibilities. Or the better of two alternatives that are presented to you. It's not like this one is bad and that one good. No, two good things, but God will give you the best. Right? Now listen carefully. Everyone say alternatives. alternatives. Say choice. choice. A lot of people don't have the power of choice. 
because you don't even have alternatives from which to choose. You are simply allotted something and that's your lot in life. And you receive it and you accommodate it and you say to yourself, this will never change because this is what I was meted out. This is my allotment. This is my, my unfortunate lot or my fortunate um, experience in life. And you might say, only if I only had rich parents. Hallelujah. Why, was my, why, why didn't I have rich parents? Uh, why did God permit me in His sovereign will to be born to parents that struggle financially and I had to grow up within that milieu? Uh, why didn't I go to a better school? Why, 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 why? Why my lot? which is not a lot. <laughs> I'm saying to you, church, this word is very prophetic because I'm saying to you as a prophet of the Lord, where in the past you did not have alternatives from which to choose, that God now in the season is going to bring you, this word lot, top means, sorry, good, it means the better of two alternatives. God's going to bring the better of two alternatives. And let me just say, prophesy to some of you, you can get two jobs that both want you. You might not have a job now, but God's going to bring two possibilities to you and say, not just am I going to sort you out, my son, and give you a job. I'll bring two options your way and allow you to choose the better alternative. Right? Everyone say the power of choice. I don't know what this means to you. All I'm saying to you, that if your choice scope is limited right now, that God is going to extend it and give you the freedom to choose where in the past you felt hamstrung and the scope of choice was either negligible or non-existent. Right? Now God is saying, because you are my son, I give you the power of, of choice. This is very prophetic. Listen, I didn't plan this word to come out like this. It's coming out in its own way. Right? This is very, very prophetic. Now, because of time, gee, it's 5-2. Everyone say, the Lord God is a son. I love this. Okay, maybe we'll do shield next week because, uh, or some other time, but I like this part. You see, it could have just said, the Lord is God and He will give you grace. And why does God specifically in His disposition of grace being meted out to he who is righteous, call himself a son. Not S-O-N, S-U-N. And I want you to think about this in the coming week. What aspects about the natural son can be likened unto the eternal God and what, how that will dispense good things to you. When grace comes to you, grace will bring you Good things. Say it again. Good things. Good things. I can't get away from this. If I could write a song, good things. <laughs> good things. Do you remember when, uh, was it Moses asked to see the glory of the Lord? God said to him, hide in the cleft of the, the rock. No man can see me and live. I will quickly pass by you, God said, and I will make all my... My back parts. Now, God doesn't have back parts. God speaks in terms that humans can understand. 
Because God is spirit and He's without form. So He's speaking a language that the human can comprehend. Right? I believe, uh, I heard Sam Lynn say this. God was saying, I will show you back parts of my history in dealing with men. God is saying, if you're going to deliver Israel, you need to know my history in dealing with men. I will show you my history. I'll show you my back parts. That's his take on it. Okay. But my point is, God said uh, to, to Moses, I will pass by you. And what did God say? I will make all my goodness be seen to you. Say goodness. What did he ask to see? What did Moses ask to see? Glory. How did God respond? Goodness. Point. If you've seen the goodness of the Lord, you've seen His glory. If God's going to show you glory, He's going to show you how good He is. Say He's a good, good God. Say He's ultra good. Right? You know why David gave thanks to the Lord? He only needed one motivation, David. He said, give thanks to the Lord. Why? For He is good. So a good God can give Good things. David had the revelation in Psalm 23. Surely, goodness and mercy are going to do what? Track me. Right? I got, a, I got a surprise for you. All of you got a stalker in your life. It's called God's goodness. David said, when I look back, this thing is tracking, following me everywhere I go. I just see the thing there. And he said, it is God's Goodness, surely goodness and mercy are going to follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the, the house of the Lord forever. But before, let's just close. I don't want to, I'll do some next week because of time. It's already 11 o'clock. Psalm 23, and it's just something that I see as I'm speaking to you right now. Some of you think that you have been the recipient of bad things by your bad experiences through time. Let me just say this. Even if you think that your lot in life was negative, God knew what He was doing with you in preparing you to come to a certain place in Him. Don't despise what you've been through. God's about to, to honor you with good things. The Lord God is a sun and shield. He gives grace and glory. No good thing does He withhold to them that walk. Them that walk uprightly. Everyone say walk uprightly. Uh, you know, more than ever before, maintain purity. You know what Jesus said? If your eye offends you, what must you do? Pluck it out. And he said this, it is rather better for you to enter the kingdom with one eye than with, to maintain your both eyes and be cut off from the kingdom. So isn't it rootless to take your eye out? It's a drastic action, not so. Now, he was not suggesting physical mutilation. Don't, please don't try this at home. <laughs> don't, if, if, let's say you, you can't stop watching pornography. I'm just bound, I'm bound. Well, I'll take these eyes out so I don't see it. Maybe I can live righteously. What he was saying is this. What he was saying when he says, if the eye is the medium through which you become offended, take it out. What he was suggesting was simply... Deal with the thing drastically. Deal with the thing with, 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 with great seriousness. 
right? Deal with it solidly, okay? In other words, don't side skirt it. Don't brush it aside. You deal with it vociferously. You say, I will not go down that road again. I, I, if I put protective measures in place on my computer, then let it be so, right? Um, if, I, if I feel prone to fall in a particular area, I will not physically put myself in that position where I cannot maintain uprightness of heart. Okay? Uprightness. Stand with me as we read this. Stand with me as you read this. Say it again. Good things. Come on, say it louder. Good things. Amen. Good things. I want us to read Psalm 23 verse 1 uh, right through. And I want you to, to read it with conviction. Let's read it together in chorus. One, two, three. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Even though I walk to the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and staff comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I want to read verse 3 and verse 6. Let's read verse 3 and verse 6. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness. Say that again. He guides me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Verse 6. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Your hands, I'm going to declare some things over you. I declare over you, church, that God will be a son, your son, and your shield. He will give you both grace and glory. And no good thing will He withhold from you when you walk uprightly, blamelessly, virtuously, with integrity, in purity, before Him. I declare unto you and your family, good things await you as you subscribe to righteousness, as you walk in paths of righteousness, Surely, goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. Lift up your hands. I prophesy to you, all of you will have a good future in Christ. I prophesy to you, young men, young women, adults, mothers, fathers, little boys and little girls. I declare to you that only goodness, the Lord's goodness from a good, good father, is going to be your portion. Your future is not pessimistic, declares the Lord. Your future is in my hands. I will determine it. I will give you grace and glory 
and I will not hold back any good thing from your purity. God is saying to you, church, I cannot resist it. Even if I wanted to, I cannot not do it but give you goodness because if you maintain purity before me, it's something that I prize so highly, I will be attracted to you. I will be, I would, it will be recruited to your purity in me, declares the Lord. No good thing will I withhold from you. I will give you that which is appealing and pleasant to the senses. The Lord says, I will give you that which is useful and profitable. The Lord says, I will give you that which is abundant and plentiful. I will give you that which is kind and benevolent. I will give you that which is good in a moral sense as opposed to evil. God says, I will give you a good thing, that which is both proper and becoming. The Lord says, I will give you a good thing that will bear well on your general state of well-being and your happiness. The Lord says, I will give you the better of two alternatives. I will give you the power of choice. No good thing, and I'm going to keep back from you, declares the Lord. No good thing will I withhold from you. My goodness will be a manifestation of my glory. As I said it to Moses, I declare to you, my son, my daughter, you will see my glory when you behold my goodness. I'm going to be so good to you. It's going to amaze you. And you will see visibly my glory put on display in your life. And such will you give thanks to me, for I am a good God. And I never fail. My mercy is on you every morning. My faithfulness to every generation. I am a good father. Every good and perfect gift comes from me. Father of lights. Every good gift and every gift that is perfect, it literally comes from me. So be prepared, my sons, my daughters, for good gifts, for perfect gifts. They will come to those whose hearts are pure before me. Father, in your name, we thank you. Now let's just lift up your voice and thank him. Let's lift up your voice and praise him. For the Lord is good and his mercies, they endure forever. For the Lord is good and his mercies endure forever. Hallelujah. For you are good, God, and your mercies endure forever. Goodness and mercy follow me. Come on, prophesy over yourself. Say, goodness and mercy, they follow me all the days of my life. No good thing is my Father going to withhold from me because I walk uprightly before Him. He's a good Father. Every good and every perfect gift comes from my Daddy, comes from my Father. He's a good Father, gives me good gifts. Hallelujah, God. Praise to Your name. Blessing and honor to you, Father. Glory and power, wisdom and strength belong to you who is eternally good. Hallelujah, God. Thank you, God. Just high five a few people and say all things are working together for your good. Amen.